Hey guys, Chaos Blue here. Today's episode is with three amazing members from the Encanto OC fandom community online. Since this is more of a forum episode, I don't have a fan fiction reading to include before the interview today, but... The members of today's show did request that I include a small blooper reel in lieu of the fanfiction reading. This interview was conducted in the middle of the night for me because I was speaking to people overseas, so it was about 2 a.m. in the morning for me. And in the middle of this interview, we did encounter some interesting tech issues. A few minutes of that we did get on recording, so (laughs) I am including that as a small short blooper reel here before the interview starts. Again, it was about 2 a.m. in the morning for me, so you can totally hear my voice start to crack a little bit. (laughs) because I was so exhausted. But uh, I think the interview turned out great. Hopefully you enjoy that and uh, enjoy the blooper reel as well. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go. Is Nellie still there? I see Nellie muted on my end. Oh, she says that the recording kicked her out. Oh, no. See, I can still see her in the session, so she's probably going to need to. Me too. Um, Yeah. Nellie. Hold on. Oh, there, there. Nellie's back. Oh, yes. I think there might be a little bit of a delay. A guest has stopped recording. Nellie has stopped recording. All right. Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of an internet issue on Nellie's end, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Um, It's kind of stormy where we live. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me try. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Is it recording Nellie right now? I can't tell. Does it say in the corner, maybe? Oh, Nellie can see if it's recording. I am seeing something here where it says Nellie not recording. It says, please ask them to close and reload the page if they want to continue recording. So it may be safer for Nellie to click back out again. Refresh. And then come back in. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'm telling her that. Yeah, because I'm a little concerned that it might not pick her up. Oh, yeah, now I see the same thing for yours, Luna. Oh my gosh, why, why? Okay, it still says it's recording now. Which is funny, because I can still hear you. I just went in and out. (laughs) You're going to have like so many clips, oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, now you're back, Luna. (laughs) Just clips of us going in and out with random sounds in the background. (laughs) Oh my god, it's okay, it's okay. Oh my gosh. Well, we know there's a, a large gap in between at some point, and we can just oh. discard all of that. <laughs> just because of all the clips and stuff, but that's okay. Okay, so Nellie told me she's in, but no one's there yet. Uh-oh. Now I'm getting a weird message again from Cast saying that I need to reload my page. Gosh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Although, it seems to still be recording. <laughs> How Nelly? did it record for an hour and 30 minutes and now Uh-oh. it's like, never mind. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like 2 a.m. They're like, good maintenance time. <laughs> I've never done a middle of the night recording for my time zone before. <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering if they're doing like some kind of maintenance or something. Or maybe a lot of people record in the middle of the night. I don't know. To 
the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. We have a really special episode in store for you guys today. I did say on Tumblr that we would not be doing another Encanto-themed episode for a while unless I got approached directly by other Encanto writers who wanted to come on. Well, guess what? I was approached by three amazing members of the Encanto OC Writers community on Tumblr who wanted to come on and talk about the Encanto OC fandom. So today we have a great panel set up just to do that. So without further ado, our three special guests for today are Luna, Nellie, and Nick. Luna works with senior citizens and runs her own photography business. She loves traveling her way through Europe, film photography, and her sweet dog sidekick. Nellie is a freelance illustrator studying animation and likes to write in her spare time. She loves watching animated shows and making character in animation analysis for them. And when she's not tied up with college, Nellie is also a dungeon master and a voice actor. And Nick is currently a graphic design student who mostly does digital art. She loves watching movies, reading tarot cards, and collecting fandom merch. Hell yeah! She goes by Cheesy Cryptid on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube. I also want to mention here that Nick created the most fabulous and adorable piece of fan art just for this podcast episode, which I will be using on the episode promos on Tumblr, Twitter, and the official podcast website for this particular episode. So uh, I just wanted you guys to know that I love this art piece so much. So when you see it, just know that Nick was the one who made that up just for us. So super, super cool. Luna, Nellie, and Nick, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Fanfic Maverick. How are you guys? Hi. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Oh, awesome. We're so glad that you guys are here. This is going to be so fabulous. I'm excited for many different reasons. Obviously, one of the reasons why I'm so excited is we've never had the opportunity to cover the topic of OC characters before on the show. And that just happens to be y'all's specialty. So I'm super, super excited to cover that today with all of you. But first, you know, we like to start with everybody's fan fiction origin story. So Luna, let's start with you. How did you discover fan fiction for the first time? And then also, when did your interest in OC characters? begin? Oh my gosh, that is such a loaded question. I feel, okay. Oh my goodness. So Encanto is like the biggest fandom that I've been a part of because before this, I stuck mostly to like the art side of fandom. And I don't know, back in the day, well, not back in the day, but like Avatar The Last Airbender was more my jam of what I was reading. (laughs) Okay. Which is still kind of around, actually. Maybe it got, like, revitalized with, like, the news of new Avatar stuff coming out. But, yeah, I come from, like, Avatar The Last Airbender (laughs) fandom, which is kind of cringe, but that's okay. (laughs) No, nothing's cringe on this show. I have mad respect for whatever fandoms people are into, so I think that's super cool. 
was your very first fan fiction, Luna, that you ever read in your entire life? Was it Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah, it was a Avatar The Last Airbender fanfic. Oh my gosh, like, how ancient is that? I'm trying to think, is Avatar like 10? It can't be 10 years. Oh my god, it must be 10 years old now. <laughs> yeah, I think but, it is, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. That's That's crazy wild to me. I saw a, like, comic of an Avatar Last Airbender comic, and that comic was based on a fic. So obviously I followed, like, the rabbit hole (laughs) from the comic to the fic, and I mostly stuck to, 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 like, comics, to be honest. I stuck to comics until I, like, discovered comics based on people's fanfics, (laughs) Which I feel like is very Encanto-esque when it comes to the fandom art as well. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that's so super cool. So like, do you remember how you felt when you discovered that fan fiction was a thing? Did it kind of blow your mind when you discovered that that was a thing people did? Yeah, I mean, okay, like when when you see the comics, it's like very, oh, okay, you like people are writing their own stories. That's kind of cool. But there weren't really, there weren't OCs at least none that I had come across at the time in Avatar Last Airbender. It was all like canon characters. But mostly, I think when Avatar kind of ended, people were wanting to continue the stories. And even though the creators were coming out with comics, it was just like a very long period of like nothingness that people started like creating their own comics and their own little stories. And yeah, I feel like those lines in my mind kind of get blurred. Like, what is canon anymore? I don't even remember. Like, did this story... (laughs) Wait, they actually went on this adventure, right? And then you're Googling it. You're like, no, that was a fanfic that I read. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though? That's my favorite thing. When I can't even keep canon straight in my head anymore because I've read so much fanfiction and it all is just like this big giant lump in my mind at that point, you know, where I'm like, I don't even remember what's canon anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's the best. I I prefer it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too. It should make you go onto Google and, you know, Google what exactly do I remember correctly. (laughs) (laughs) So then was Avatar the first time that you encountered like OC characters for the first time? Is that kind of where your interest in the OC stuff started? No, it wasn't Avatar. Um, I'm trying to remember what fic I read that had introduced OC characters. For Encanto, I feel like it was (laughs) kind of like an easy choice to make because they're characters with powers. So naturally you're like, oh, cool, I can come up with my own character and they can have their own gifts or powers. So I don't know. That was like a very natural choice to make, in my opinion, at least when it comes to like OCs. Oh, that's so cool. So yeah, so you really got into the OC thing when you jumped into the Encanto fandom, it sounds like. The OC side of it was definitely more my Encanto experience. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. I will get to talking about all of that here as we get on with the episode. That's awesome and perfect. Nelly, tell us about your origin story with fan fiction. How did you discover it? And when did your interest in OC characters start? Oh, we love that question here, but (laughs) basically, I found fanfic when I was still in fourth grade, so approximately 11 years old. And it's a funny thing, because 
my first experience was on Wattpad when it's not yet littered with ads and stuff. It's just a cesspool of fanfics in the app. And the f- very first fanfic I read, and I still remember it to this day, 100 Days in the Anime World. And it's in script oh. format. <laughs> oh my, so it's a script fic. Interesting. It's a script fic. And I thought, initially, I thought that all fanfics came in a script fic. So when I jumped into another fandom, I was pleasantly surprised to see to see it in a novelette format until I discovered long fics. And then, well... I dove into that rabbit hole like immensely. As soon as I watch a new anime, just go to Wattpad, find a fanfic of that fandom, and then dive right in. At some point, I just started watching anime just to read fanfics of it. (laughs) Like you would discover the fanfiction first and then watch the anime after you had read the fanfiction for it? Oh my gosh, that's... That's what happened with Naruto. I, I dove in the Naruto community and <laughs> basically I don't know anything about the storyline of Naruto. I just know that Sasuke is hot. So I <laughs> <laughs> So I went into fanfiction immediately not knowing the context of the plot just because one character is hot. <laughs> you know what though? The one hot character, in my opinion, is like a perfectly valid reason to get into any fandom. Just saying. Like, I have absolutely done that before and we'll do it again. I hear you. I hear you. Just one attractive character and you'll go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that you still remember what your very first fan fiction was. Do you remember what it felt like discovering that story for the first time and reading it? Oh, I was... I was, first of all, I was shocked. You can do this. You can alter timelines. You can alter universes. You can make alternate universes. And it's like something opened up to me that day. And just, you can do this. I can insert myself. (laughs) (laughs) I can insert myself to fanfic now. Oh my gosh. And (laughs) I love that feeling. (laughs) What is the best part about that idea for you, about, like, inserting yourself into the fan fiction? I'm so curious about that. Ooh, personally, I can project stuff that I couldn't really do. Like, if you make a character, you make an OC, sometimes you model them after you, sometimes you model them after the opposite of your personality. And that really brings you a range of characters that you didn't really know you could actually write them in. Like, you didn't know you could actually write a traumatized character and make them into some sort of a therapy character for the canon characters in that universe. Sometimes you just put in the OC just to relieve some of the trauma that they have in canon. And I think that's basically what I like about it. You can just insert yourself, you can insert any story that you want, alter the story that's already there, without actually having to really world build, going through the intricacies of world building, you know. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's so fascinating. I'm just so fascinated by the whole topic. (laughs) It's, It's so interesting. Now, we know that Luna kind of like got really into the OC thing when she got into Encanto. Was that the same thing for you, Nelly? Or did you start like 
becoming really interested in OC characters specifically, like before Encanto. Here's the funny thing. I didn't know there was an OC community until last January. Really? <laughs> yes, the one who introduced me was actually Nick. I didn't know that there was a whole community dedicated to OCs, especially the Encanto community. But then I later met Nick, who has OCs, and then she she basically pulled me into Tumblr, and then I was greeted with Encanto OCs, and I'm pleasantly surprised that a lot of creators have very unique ideas and very unique characters as well that interact with the canon characters in the movie. Yeah, that's what I was noticing as I was diving into the fix and acquainting myself with all of your OCs that we'll be talking about later today. I was just fascinated by the way that there's so much interplay between these OC characters that you all have created and how they interplay in the stories and how they interplay in the art. It's so amazing. That's so awesome. So like you're kind of like, you know, kind of brand new into this whole OC thing, it sounds like, since yeah. it was just uh, since January. <laughs> I, I thought oh. I was weird for making OCs of Voltron characters, but now I'm pleasantly surprised that the Encanto community does the same. Yes, yes. You see OC characters all over the place. This is the first time, though, that I've ever encountered like an actual OC like community. So I'm so yes. fascinated and excited to ask you about that here in a bit. But Nick, tell us about your background with fan fiction. When did you first discover it? And when did you start getting interested in the OC characters? Um, okay, so I could remember my very first fandom and my very first fan fiction. So the first fandom I've ever joined was Power Rangers because it was the only thing I watched after going to school because I was introduced to fandom culture at such a very young age. And I remember I was, I think, same as Nelly, I was in third or in fourth grade when I read my first fan fiction because, you know, I was unsupervised in the internet. And funny enough, it was a <laughs> it was a, a creepypasta fan fiction. No way. <laughs> yes way. Basically I was a kid who was very interested in like scary stuff and I was trying to find for like similar things in the internet. And then I came across the Deviant Art with like the whole introduction of like the creepypasta community. And I didn't know what it was until I read a fanfic about it. Yes. And then I've I figured out the characters and like the first creepypasta character I ever encountered was Masky. And like I didn't know who these characters were, so I just read the fan fictions first. And then I learned about the community and stuff. And about creating OCs, I realized that it has like a much earlier origin story because like instead of like writing characters, I would just draw them inspired by the shows I watch or like the things I read so I would draw them and like I would draw them first before I would make a backstory or like a name for them and until now I still kind of do that <laughs> so like my process is very different oh now I want to ask you about that that's that's so interesting to me because like you know I don't have an art background I think people that can do art are just amazing people. You know, I have so much admiration for that skill. So I have always wondered, since you're drawing these OC characters first, after you've watched a show or a movie or something, what do you think is one of the things that inspires you 
the most as far as deciding what you're going to draw? Because you said that you draw it first and then you do the backstory later. How do you decide what you're going to draw? Like, what, where does the inspiration come from for you? Okay. For me, well, in Encanto at least, I would do is that I would first study the environment and then I would take inspiration from other similar media. So what I did when I first developed my OCs, I was inspired by telenovelas in my country first because I imagined what like a side story would be like that would fit in this world. In Encanto, when a family member leaves and then like suddenly come back, isn't that like an entire arc in a telenovela that would just lead into so much conflict and drama? When I created my OCs, I was thinking, wait a minute. So this character left for 10 years. What if he has like a family of his own that just he left in the dark about everything? And then so I went with that idea and then thought of a character design. And then with that, I would just write about this character and then just make stuff up along the way until I would form what I think would be suitable to story ideas I have in mind. Wow, oh, I love that. That is so, so awesome. And I love that you've been doing this for a really long time. Were you pretty young, like as a kid, when you started yes, doing like, this, like drawing really them? really young. I had these little sketchbooks of like these random characters, like one would be from Power Rangers, one would be from Teen Titans, the other would be like a creepypasta OC that I don't even remember <laughs> anymore. <laughs> By the way, I love that creepypasta was your first fandom ever. Slenderman is creepypasta, right? That's Slenderman, right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, because one time my sister, yeah, she tried to... You know, she likes telling scary stories sometimes. And she told me scary stories about Slender Man. And that was my introduction to creepypasta. And so every now and then I see like, you know, Slender Man uh, fan fictions on AO3. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what that is. <laughs> That's probably yes. a scary story. Oh my gosh. So it started with that, really. And sometimes these OCs would take like a story of their own. At first, what I realized when you're creating OCs for a certain fandom, sometimes you can't isolate the original canon of like the source material from the OC. But then when you continue working on the OC for a long while, they kind of begin manifesting a standalone story of their own. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about creating OCs. Yes, yes. They form their own stories. It's almost like they become alive. Like you you breathe yes. life into them, drawing them, writing about them. And before you know it, they're their own people. Mm -hmm. That's actually what's happening right now <laughs> with our own fan fictions and OCs. But like we don't want to separate them from the Encanto fandom too much. We got to remember our roots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Keep them grounded somehow, right? And you keep them grounded in the canon for Encanto, which I just think that Encanto is a beautiful starting point, personally, right? For OC characters, because, you know, the story is just so creative and so unique. And I just love the way that you all have fit in your OC characters with that environment the you know Encanto as the backdrop for all of that but I want to know more 
from all of you now about this online OC fan fiction community or, you know, slash fandom community, because I know that there's a lot of artists that are a part of it. I have never encountered an online OC community before, and I love that this exists. I'm fascinated by this. So I want you guys to tell me all about this OC community. How did it start? Do you guys have forums? Are there discords? Is it just strictly on Tumblr? Like, what's going on? On here with the OC community. Tell me everything. Uh, <laughs> it's really, really funny because kind of like how Nellie said that we were like in our own little bubble doing our own thing. And then you sort of discover that there's other people doing the same thing. And that is what happened with me because <laughs> I was like just off in my own world writing these characters And at one point I was like, hmm, it would be kind of cool to get some art done with, you know, of the characters. So anyone who is interested kind of wants to know like, okay, well, how do they really look? Even if you describe them really well, you kind of, it's cool to have a visual. So (laughs) I went on like a hunt on Instagram and I was like, okay, like, let me see. Maybe there's people already out there doing this. And oh my gosh, are there people out there doing this? (laughs) (laughs) surprise (laughs) instagram is like the cowboy world for me because it's just like wild wild west style of like so many artists doing ocs and that's where i found um yeah i found a bunch of artists on instagram and just kind of like reached out to them and was like hey are you doing this i see you're doing encanto ocs would you want to do one for me (laughs) and i had no idea that this was like a huge thing Yeah, it was just, it was wild because, yeah, I really didn't know this was like a thing until I went on the hunt for it. I was off in my own bubble. (laughs) And then it was this pleasant surprise of, oh my gosh, there are lots of other people doing this online. It's not just me. Yeah, an enormous amount of people. And once you start talking to the OC artists in the community, they are so nice and so welcoming and they want to know about your OC. And once someone kind of makes like a fan art of it, there's other people coming in and going, oh, that's so cool. And then, I don't know, just kind of like snowballs from there. There is a Discord for the OC and Kanto community, which is mostly made up of like artists. I would say like 90% of us or 90% of them are artists and the rest are kind of like more fic writers, but they let us in. They're nice. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Do any of you know like how the Encanto OC community started in the first place? Like what the origin of that is? That might be a good question for Nick or (laughs) Nellie. For me, I actually came into the Encanto community kind of late. Because I didn't want to watch it, the poor quality pirated version. I waited for a high quality movie to come out that's accessible for us. But I did lurk a little in Tumblr at least. It started out like people just creating characters. Like as the townspeople in Encanto. What I figured out is that what attracted people to create OCs is the gift aspect, the powers that's unique to the character it's bestowed to. And like what I realized that people just like often imagine themselves with their pa- with powers instead. So that's what invited them in initially and from that people started like 
forming new ideas on how they create their own characters suitable to the Encanto canon. And they started creating their own comics and stories. And it's like really that aspect of like, oh, what if I had this power? Or what if I was part of this family? It really started from there. And then like, it just snowballed into something bigger. Oh, I love that. I think that that is so cool. Because, you know, I have always said that one of my favorite things about fan fiction is I believe that fan fiction is a really interesting way for people to explore themselves. You know, we do a lot of things with fan fiction, but that's one aspect. Absolutely. Is that we do use fan fiction to explore ourselves. And I feel like this OC community takes that even, you know, a step farther than that, where it's like, yeah, let's really explore ourselves. And you can do that with these OC characters. And I think that's just beautiful. I love it. Another thing I'd like to add is that in other sites like in Facebook, sometimes I would see people who hardly post art at all or like create OCs but then because they were inspired by Encanto they started like forming their own characters and it just delights me so much that this movie was able to inspire people to like at least get in touch with OC creation and being able to like share a part of themselves to the story. Yes exactly using fandom as this vehicle to explore themselves and the world around them and I I feel like you know, one of the things that I love about the idea of a community like this is I feel like having an official like OC community online is a really great way to help destigmatize the idea of OC characters in fan fiction. I said before the recording that I'm a little old, right? <laughs> we were laughing about that because I'm not really that old, but you know, I, I, uh, I'm i a little older than a, a lot of people in fandom. And when I was growing up in my teenage years and just getting into fan fiction for the very first time, I learned from older people in the fandom communities online that there was sort of this this interesting attitude towards OC characters back then. And this would have been in the 90s. No, the attitude is still kind of there. <laughs> is it still kind of there? Yeah. I just remember, you know, a lot of suspicion. There was a lot of suspicion about OC characters because it was always assumed that OC characters were like Mary Sue characters, you know, like basically the writer projecting onto the OC character and stuff. And for a lot of people back then, and probably still now, sometimes people have these weird reactions to that, you know, like somehow that's, you know, taboo or breaking some sort of rule with fan fiction. But I love that. You know, we have opportunities now in modern times to kind of explore that a little bit more and destigmatize that, you know, because there's really no reason to have like, you know, suspicions about OC characters, especially when people are creating these amazing characters. And I just I love that there are communities like yours that are just making it this beautiful, fun, creative thing and welcoming other people in and giving them the permission to do that, too. I remember like one of my first comments on AO3 was like, oh, I don't normally like to read OC with canon pairing stories, but I really like this one. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is a thing, right? Like people actually don't like people actively avoid any fic where it's like an OC tag or, you know, an original character tag. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot that people are 
you know, a little opposed to it. <laughs> yes, that's true, right? It's true. People still yeah. have that attitude about OCs sometimes. So sometimes all they need is that one fan fiction that's amazing or that one piece of art that's amazing to kind of help change their mind on it a little bit. That's what you guys are doing. I think that's cool. There's a lot of stigma back then in the design aspect of creating OCs, especially when you mentioned about the Mary Sue. And then all I could remember was people depicting the early 2000s Mary Sue of like a multicolored hair. I'm a princess, half oh my demon. Gosh. <laughs> um, I remember that so much back then. Like it was kind of scary producing OCs and like showing it in the internet because of that stigma. And then, like, people who do enjoy OCs would try to, like, limit their creations to something that's more palatable. That's how I best describe it. And then what I realized over time, like, the age of the Mary Sue is over. The attitude changes because, like, people are slowly starting to accept that, oh, this is fine. This is harmless. This is this doesn't change anything because, like, it's people having fun. And, like, being able to freely do what they can with their characters. And, like, it's great because, like, you wouldn't be able to stifle any creativity because it's the question is not more on, like, oh, this doesn't fit here or this doesn't fit that. The question becomes of, like, how do we make this work? Right. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that creative process. I feel like with the OC characters, I mean, I've never written an OC character myself, so I wouldn't know, but I would imagine as I was thinking about this this last couple of weeks, I was thinking, oh, you have to be very mindful and intentional, I'm guessing, when you're, you know, crafting these OCs and then fitting them into the canon in a way that you wouldn't have to with canon characters. So I imagine that there are some really interesting creative processes that go into this that I think can lead to gaining better skills, right? Better writing skills, better story creation skills, better art skills, all of that. I think one of the things that also contributed to the OC creation part of Encanto is that the world building of Encanto is so open and is so welcoming to different kinds of personalities that it actually fits to any narrative that you would put in. There's the family dynamics, there's the town dynamics, there's uh, individual dynamics of each character that would make you connect to them. And the world building of the movie actually creates an open environment for you to actually just put an OC in and they can mingle with everyone else because everyone in that town is actually, what you say, interacting with each other. And in terms of animation, that's really hard to do. And I think that really opened an opportunity to all OC creators to put in themselves or their characters into that setting without actually trying to divert the attention away from the main plot of the story. And that's something fascinating for me as, as someone who's studying animation as well. <laughs> it's an open world where you can put your character in, mingle, and it still makes sense. And that's what I like about this community in general. Oh, I love that point, Nelly. I love that because, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that Encanto specifically is uniquely suited for this type of thing, right? It seems uniquely suited for OCs and OC art and writing and all of that stuff. And so I just I just think that 
this is so cool. I was thinking about it, too, because I was like, oh, most of the main characters in Encanto are all blood-related. You know, they're family, right? So if you want to insert something a little bit new, it would have to be an OC character with Encanto because, you know, everybody's related. (laughs) So, yeah, this is just like the perfect backdrop. And I love that. Really quick. If you had to estimate, like, how many people are in the Encanto OC community online, what would be the estimation on that as far as, like, how many people are doing this? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Luna can best answer this than (laughs) me. (laughs) I would say in the OC Discord that there is about, like, 100 people in that one. But I would say that's, like, a very low number because just, you know, in Discord, you kind of want to limit how many people are in it. Otherwise, it gets a little crazy. So I would say 100 people is kind of a lot. And those are the people that are creating, like, actual either fix with OCs or comics. There are a lot of people in that Discord that are creating comics. But those, you know, a lot of them are just on Instagram. Yeah, there's a lot of us. It's just we're kind of spread out, I would say between like Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Oh, that's just so cool, though. That's more than I would have thought, honestly. So I just think that that's so cool. And, you know, one of the other things that I think is so fascinating about the fact that there's like, you know, official communities for this OC creation for Encanto is the fact that it really allows you guys to collaborate as you go with each other, you know? And I know we'll be talking about this a little bit later in the episode, but That was one of the most beautiful things that I saw as I was diving into this was, wow, you know, not only are they creating all of these OC characters, but they're collaborating with each other so that these OC characters are interacting with one another in some of these, you know, fan arts and fan fiction stories. And it's just fascinating and amazing that you guys are able to facilitate that right with these online fandom communities and I just think that's so special yeah another thing that's just really really sweet about the OC community is they really remember your OC and they they'll celebrate like OC's birthdays and stuff and I just think that is the most (laughs) adorable thing ever yes I saw that as I was trolling tumblr researching this I kept running into these tumblr posts celebrating OC birthdays and it was so sweet you know like you could really tell that the creator of the OC was just so touched every time that that would happen you know and I just think that that's like that's just so cool I love that y'all do that yeah, I think that's like the sweetest thing ever when you, when you just come across, I mean, when you're new to the OC side, it's really shocking almost how kind and how, I don't know, that's just like a very nice community mentality to see that. I was like, oh, this is so cute. They're celebrating their birthdays. And yeah, like you said, they're like feeding off of each other and creating like alternate stories. And it really helps, especially if you're writing, to have someone to like ping pong off of. Because like you mentioned, when you're writing, there tends to be that stigma with OCs. So sometimes you're not getting as much feedback as you would if you were writing like a canon type story. And it's really helpful. Obviously, feedback is super helpful. And to have anyone ping pong like ideas off of or just they're kind of it's kind of like feeding you prompts, but like in the most beautiful way possible. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that because you're right. You're right that, you know, 
what we were saying earlier about, you know, people's like weird ideas and attitudes about OCs, you're right, that the chances of getting, you know, the feedback and the reviews are probably lower when you're dealing with OC characters. So it's just beautiful to have that community who's like behind you and understands where you're coming from with your OC characters and is there to give you feedback, to help you, like you said, ping pong ideas. I just think this is so stinking cool. So I love that it exists. I love that you all are part of it. So keep on going, you guys, in the Encanto OC community, because I just think that that's so super cool. We want to talk about specifically all of your OC characters today, because you have all created some amazing OC characters for Encanto. So I was hoping that I could get all of you to talk about your OC characters. We started with Luna last time. So, Nick, let's start with you this time. Go ahead and tell us about your OCs that you created and introduce them to us and let us know like what stories they're a part of as far as fan fiction, all that good stuff. Okay, so I'll be introducing four OCs. And I actually created them like as a set. Because I wanted to produce the idea of like Bruno having his own family. So let's start with the first one I made. Her name is Evalina. And I actually merged her story with Nelly's now, ever since we started like collaborating. So in Love Me for Eternity, which is Nelly's fanfiction, she is one of the watchmen of Encanto alongside her father. And after marrying Bruno, she gave birth to the triplets, Angelina, Ignacio, and Javier. She is free-spirited and used to yearn for adventure beyond the mountains. But after an incident and a terrifying discovery, she becomes fearful of the outside world and is desperate to protect her family from it. And this OC is the first one I've created. And she is basically... I never really formed this story of hers without Nelly's help so I'm really grateful that she was able to we were able to collaborate and bring life into these characters and then I wanted to include also the children so I thought of like triplets because like I I wanted to bring homage to the original triplets of the source material but I wanted to put a twist instead one of the beautiful things about creating OTs is that you could twist aspects of the original story you like to produce something unique. So what I have here are the triplets. The, these are their children. First one is Angelina. She is the firstborn triplet. She is sweet, carefree, adventurous, and a social butterfly. She means well, but is also a troublemaker and naive. She has the gift of flight, too. She also yearns to leave Encanto to travel the world, but she doesn't want to disobey her mother. She feels like Encanto is too small for her. Actually, that's one of the main conflict points of Love Me for Eternity that we would soon get into. And then these are her brothers, Ignacio and Javier. Ignacio is the second-born triplet. He was given the gift of fire breath. Ignacio is energetic, confident, brash, mischievous and he's very passionate about music and he's more on the rebellious troublemaker side but deep down he is very sensitive and protective over his family and then we have javier he's the youngest triplet he has the gift of telekinesis he's mostly interested in books than being around people he is distant very intelligent observant 
mysterious and aloof. Some say he's the most responsible triplet, and he may seem unfriendly, but he has a heart of gold and cares so much about the people he loves, he just does it quietly. And these characters have very different dynamics with how they interact with Bruno, which is the only thing that connects them from like the main source material. And in the story that we created for these characters is exploring different dynamics, family dynamics and relationships that wasn't addressed in the original story. So with this, we would actually find like unique arcs and like character growth from these OCs, knowing that we would be able to explore those ideas if these things happen. (laughs) Another thing I would add is that the designs of these characters, they were originally from another fan fiction they're like progenit uh is that what you call it progenitor characters because the idea of the triplet i i wanted to have like the idea of triplets but like i didn't know if there were any fan fictions of that of like bruno having triplets of his own so i made fan art for this fan fiction that was made by mad jazz hatter who had like an oc and like triplets too and i was like oh my gosh this is exactly what i've been looking for i want to create fan art for this fan fiction and then like i did that's where the designs originated from and after a while with nelly's help i was able to like produce original ideas and original stories in line with nelly's concepts and suddenly these OCs were transferred to like another medium now and I got really attached to the designs that I couldn't just part from them. So after Nelly asked permission to <laughs> adopt the OCs, um we just collaborated ever since. Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful introduction to these OCs. I love that. Especially the idea of Bruno having his own family. You know, like, it's someone that he loves and, like, beautiful children. Thank you so much for introducing your OCs. Next, Nelly, you're up. Introduce your OCs. Tell us all about them. (laughs) Oh, so... Actually, Nick and I kind of have shared custody for the triplets. And (laughs) we basically have shared custody now. But the main OC that I would like to introduce to you all is Mateo Alcantara, which is Bruno's godfather. Ever since I was young, I've always been a sucker for pre-Encanto stories, which starts off with how Pedro interacts with the people around him, why Pedro had such an impact to the community. That's what I wanted to explore. So I made Mateo, the OC, to interact with Pedro so I could actually understand the character more. And it basically snowballed from there. And Mateo now became Evelina's father (laughs) and Bruno's godfather. So... Yeah, uh, Mateo is really, really protective of Evelina, but at the same time, he is very caring, sometimes aloof. He just lets Evelina go anywhere she wishes and beat up bullies as she wishes. But <laughs> <laughs> she's. I love that. Uh, Mateo is an enabler, but at the same time, he scolds her, but at the same time, okay, you can do that. Just tone it down a bit. 
So, it wouldn't cause much suspicion. Mateo is, as I've mentioned, Pedro and Alma's best friend. And in canon, Pedro is actually a writer, uh, according to the art book. And I wrote it like that. Mateo is actually a writer alongside Pedro. But since I've researched a bit of Encanton's timeline, I made them practice a bit of martial arts, specifically Escrima, which is hand-to-hand combat using two sticks made out of wax, wood, or bamboo sometimes. And they basically train with that since the timeline was set during war times, during Colombian wars. And then, because of that, him and Pedro became best friends since their father's basically forced them to do martial arts, but they have the same passion for writing. That's why he became Bruno's and the other two, Julieta's and Peppa's godfather, just because he is so close to Pedro and Alma as a teenager to their early adulthood. And basically, he is the last one that Pedro gave his last will to, to take care of everyone in Encanto. So that's why he took the job as a watchman because he is still a bit traumatized from those, I I wouldn't say invaders, but those who wanted to hurt the people of Encanto. That's why they've fleed in the first place. So that's it. Oh, awesome. I love that. Thank you so, so much. Luna, you're up. Introduce your OCs. Let us know all about them. Uh, okay. <laughs> I am not going to pretend like I planned my original story. <laughs> like, the story just happened. I did create the OC originally. I Well, I created the OC so that I could give Bruno opportunities to grow. And I really I was hung up on the idea of when Pedro sacrificed himself, that the magic, for me, this is just my own personal headcanon, that it was Pedro's sacrifice that gave them the magic. And I kind of like spiraled from there. I kind of thought, okay, well, if that sacrifice was so great or his love for his family was so deep, why couldn't that happen to someone else? I know there are a lot of headcanons about like Casita, but ignoring like Casita itself because we could say like Casita was given to them because they needed a refuge. But yeah, so like just ignoring the Casita portion of it and just saying like they were given a gift because of Pedro's sacrifice. And that's kind of what I went with. I kind of, I wanted to just write a story that was centered around that, was a centered around like sacrifice. And also I just really love destined, what's the trope? Like the trope for destined like soulmate soulmate yeah the soulmate trope but there are like a lot of spins on the soulmate trope so yeah there are a lot of spins and i know people there's a lot of people that don't like the soulmate trope but i'm like a sucker for like fluffy things (laughs) so i kind of just went with yeah i went with that and that's kind of how luna came about because i wanted to create an oc that was like bruno's soulmate essentially and Yeah, I just really love the idea of two people being connected, but being apart, if that makes sense. Yeah, so the the entire story with Luna came about because just going back into like the Encanto canon story, 
So I created Luna to be the counterpart to Bruno in the story. They are connected through similar magic. So Luna also had an accident or an incident. I won't like, it's very triggering, I guess, in the story, but there is essentially similar to Pedro, something happened and she was given a gift and her gift is kind of tied to Bruno's gift. Yeah, so the 10 years in the story where Bruno is away, they are separated throughout that whole time because in order for them to sort of, he doesn't know that she exists, she knows that he exists, but their magic is kind of like what connects them. And so those 10 years where he's not around is kind of like her kind of like collecting her own like found family in a sense of other people that have gifts. Again, I just really loved the idea of like giving OCs gifts. So I kind of just went crazy with that. <laughs> so yeah, Luna, Luna herself has a gift and her gift is similar to Bruno's. I wrote her to kind of be like a, a very flawed character in a sense that if she wasn't flawed, then we wouldn't really have opportunities for like Bruno to step up, <laughs> which I feel like he needed from the canon story. Yeah, I just wanted to give him like more opportunities to to shine or to be bold or to be brave. I love that idea because you're right. In canon, he's so timid. And I mean, obviously, you can only get so much story in a two hour movie, right? So <laughs> I always felt like we never got enough of Bruno. But it's fascinating being able to insert the OC character in there and give him more opportunities to grow and evolve as a person. I think that's that's so amazing. Yeah, I think also that might be like a, a positive in the sense that this fandom is still kind of young and we don't really have a lot of like canon material or confirmations on certain things because we can kind of alter right now what, how we want to see it. And I mean, I'm pleasantly happy <laughs> that we don't have a lot of like confirmations on certain things it's kind of like how Nelly said the world is so open right now that you can kind of do whatever you want I mean you can't do whatever you want but you know you can break the rules a little bit more than if this was like an older fandom with way more canon confirmations <laughs> right exactly so you have this uh this background here that's very flexible as far as like what you want to do with the OC yeah. characters and stuff yeah that's amazing. I feel like, yeah, as long as you follow like certain rules, you can kind of like create them to be, you know, that's kind of why you probably create like an OC character so that you can build your story. But yeah, mine was definitely, it was centered around Bruno and the entire story in general, I think is, you could just sum it up by saying it's a lot about sacrifices and the sacrifices you make in the past, present and future. Yeah, I also... <laughs> I, I really, I also love the idea of found family and I hadn't seen anyone creating like a story where adoptive kids were included. And so that's kind of where that came about with, I, I, I just love, I hadn't seen it done. And so I, I really wanted to give both Luna and Bruno have two adoptive kids that are not biological to them at all. And I just, I really wanted to see that happen. And so, of course, I inserted them. <laughs> oh, I love that. Now, that's the two adopted. Is that Diego and Benji? So Benji is the adopted son. And, well, there's two adopted sons. There's Benji and there's Mateo. 
And the two biological kids that they have are Diego and Lily. Ah, got it. Got it. Oh, that's so cool, though. So you have them, like, with this big family and everything. Is it all boys, the kids? Lily is the only girl. I mean, of course, because you have to have, like, older protective brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So she's, like, the princess, right? (laughs) Exactly. She's the youngest, and and she's the princess, of course. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I love that, like, all of you have this really cool mix of, like, you've done older OC characters, you know, and then, you know, you guys have done, like, the younger kid OC characters. So I feel like you have this really awesome mix of, like, older and younger and these really amazing family dynamics pop up here with these OC characters. And I bet that's just fascinating to explore. Yeah, I love the idea in general of like blended families. And like you said in Encanto, in order to even have more family dynamics, you do kind of have to create an OC character. But the idea of having like, you know, adoptive kids mixed with biological kids and how they interact and you can play it many, many ways. But I just really love the idea of like them loving each other so much. Again, I am like such a fluffy fan. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. I know so many people whose favorite tropes in the entire world are all of the fluffy tropes, you know, the feel good ones. I love those stories too. Thank you guys so much for introducing all of your amazing OC characters. I want to dive in a little bit deeper with these OC characters now that we've kind of had them introduced. Like, I want to know more about them. Are there more characteristics or backstories or anything that you could tell us about these OCs? One thing that I want to say about Benji. So I created Benji, again, as like an adoptive character, but I hadn't originally like planned for him to be the adoptive character necessarily. But within the story, I was getting comments about Benji because Benji is quite protective in the, in the story, he starts out, he's like 17 years old, but he's very mature and he's very protective over his group. And the interactions that happen between Bruno and Benji kind of like happened just naturally. I hadn't planned for them to like interact the way they ended up interacting. And when I started getting like comments about how, because I did give Benji a bit of like an angsty, well, he's an angsty teen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's an angsty teen. Of course he is. If anyone with an older brother can probably remember, they're just like very angsty, I think. But because Benji lost his family, having gained this family, he didn't want to lose them again. So I ended up inserting a lot of like Benji point of view chapters that were just like very short Benji point of view chapters. I just thought, oh, I'll do that because I got a couple comments about it. And I was like, oh, that would be interesting. Let me just start throwing in Benji point of view chapters. And yeah, it really spiraled from there. And people really like clung to or the readers really clung to how much Benji really cared about Bruno and how much Bruno cared about Benji. And it was just like something that happened naturally. I hadn't originally planned for Benji to have such an arc. But it was really sweet. Oh, that sounds amazing. I love when stuff like that happens, when you didn't necessarily plan it, but it just sort of organically comes out as you're going about your business, right? With these OC characters and with the writing. And that's kind of when you know, right? Like, oh, this was always meant to happen, even though it's unplanned. 
That sounds amazing. What about Nellie and Nick? Are there any other things that you wanted us to know about your OC characters? Compared to uh, um, Luna's story, me and Nellie are actually more of angst connoisseurs ourselves. When we did create the general pointers for Love Me for Eternity, we had like these set ideas and it kind of leaked into my blog because it kind of became its own ask blog. My main blog suddenly became an ask blog without me intending it to. And people started sharing ideas and headcanons that they were catching up to from AO3. And I had no idea how they would immediately understand the dynamics established for these characters. And I think before I uh, dive a little bit deeper, Nelly should introduce the general plot of Love Me For Eternity is first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> for, you know, for purposes of spoilers, I can't really reveal everything. But the main plot of Love Me For Eternity is Bruno from their childhood and uh, Evelina. But in my Love Me For Eternity actual long fic, it's written as ex-reader in second person. So, uh, you know, our first conversation about how there's a stigma of OCs, it stuck to me that time. So that's why I made an ex-reader. But just so you know, everything is all face-claimed as Evelina. It's just I put it as an ex-reader. So that um people would be engaged with it. Yep. But... Love Me for Eternity is a fic that is really based on the history of that time period of Encanto, as well as why, in the first place, they're in that position, why they're they're actually refugees in a magical land. So it all started off with Mateo. As I've said earlier, Mateo is Pedro's best friend. They fleed from their home village. Mateo had a sacrifice. And now Mateo is low-key traumatized from outsiders, quote-unquote outsiders. And now we have Evelina, his daughter. Evelina is very adventurous, very rebellious in her stages of teenage angst. So disregarding the warnings of her father, she actually went over the mountains. And, well, she thought it was gonna be beautiful. It was gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. There's no more wars. Psych, there's still wars. And she, (laughs) well, she discovered that not everything is sunshines and rainbows over the mountains. And because of that, I won't spoil, Mateo came to rescue her just in the nick of time. And because of that, it resulted to the loss of his arm. (laughs) Oh no. Oh. So, I'm not sure if I added this link to the emails, but actually his character design actually has Mateo with a missing left arm. It's because of what happened when they went over the mountains. And because of that, I have set it up so that Evelina has a major trauma and a major bias towards outsiders in general. And, well, it builds up this, you know, this main uh, character conflict. Generational trauma, actually. Generational trauma. It parallels to what 
Alma has also scared of the outsiders because she lost Pedro to the war as well. And we actually made Evelina become a parallel to Alma. Because, well, Alma became one, her mother figure. And because of that, well, they actually influenced, yeah. And because of that, Evelina is strict with her triplets as well. Which brings us to Angelina with the same attitude as Evelina. (laughs) Okay, so... The best uh, that I could explain it is that Evelina's spirit was like, she feels like a caged bird at this point when she reaches her adult years after having kids and being formed to the image of perfection that Alma, her in-laws, wanted. So the same sentiments was passed on to her kids, unfortunately. So we know Angelina becomes like mini Evelina before the incident happened. And Angelina, well, coincidentally, was also given the gift of flight. So we all know where the conflict would lead at this point. The conflict at that point really becomes like a mother-daughter relationship conflict. And when we include Bruno into that picture, you do realize that in this story, Bruno leaves his wife and his three young kids, and then they grew up fatherless for like, 10 years and then he comes back so because of that it relative to that conflict would also reflect onto like his children so there's angelina who used to be really close with bruno but now convinced that he's just out there somewhere that is until the canon events of the movie happen and then we have ignacio Ignacio and Javier, who they all used to be really close to their father, but unfortunately, they they were just too young to understand what happened and why he left. And it didn't help that Bruno didn't really tell Evelina why he left in the first place. And for Ignacio, he kind of went to different coping mechanisms growing up. He became like, that's how he became very overprotective. And Javier, the poor dude. Oh, Oh no! When the conflict seeped into the main blog, because people were like sending in asks about like, oh, what happened here? And like, what were the headcanons here? Slowly, if you put your detective caps on, you would kind of piece together what would happen in the timeline. And like, the art I make in the blog is supplementary to the main story in AO3. So you wouldn't get the full picture if you don't know the context of the film, but it's pretty straightforward, actually. For Ignacio, yeah, he became like the rebellious troublemaker, angsty teen, and he actually kind of grew distant from his family because of that. Javier also as well. And they have very negative impressions on their father, even though they still remember him. And it just breaks Bruno's heart because he's been in the house this entire time and they just don't know it. It doesn't help that Javier is a carbon copy of Bruno, just taller. Yes, yeah, I, I forgot oh, to mention that. No. <laughs> he is. Oh. That's where most of the angst came from. So what me and Nelly thought of is that based on these angst plot devices, we actually produce their own character arcs. So with no spoilers, um, this is very spoiler-free. For Angelina, her character arc 
involves her with traveling beyond home and overcoming that conflict between her mother. Ignacio, on the other hand, Ignacio and Javier mostly have like daddy issues, daddy issues to deal with, but they do have their own conflicts to deal with. Ignacio um, is mostly concerned with his music, so later in the story we'd be exploring how he makes a life out of himself and his music outside of Encanto. And for Javier, it boils down to how much he wants to separate himself from the people's impressions of him with his dad. And yes, throughout the story, we would be exploring those ideas. And there's little, there's already hints of it in the blog that I'm running with Nelly. So we just have to await till the actual chapter comes out. Nelly, is there something else you want to add? Well, something that I would like to add that the turning point of the attitudes for these characters will be out. Well, is almost out because after finals, I'll be spam updating everything. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, we're approaching the turning point. We can really see where the turning point of these characters are, the start of their angst plots and why they become angst plots in the first place. And oh gosh, I'm, I'm going to prepare myself for angsty angst oh my gosh because oh gosh the the readers actually like wanted to stake me lighthearted jokingly <laughs> wanted to stake me because i actually wrote a very angsty chapter that involved a very huge trigger warning here which involved a loss of a child so <laughs> oh gosh and oh gosh <laughs> Oh, they wanted to stake me for that. And now that I'm realizing I have to write the very angsty part of the book, I feel like I'm, I need to prepare an apology video with tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you weren't kidding when you said that you used angst as the plot devices for your fan fiction. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. At first, we had to conceptualize the angst relative to Bruno's situation but then like me and Nelly have been uh, having ideas post fan fiction of like <laughs> the stories of these characters so y'all have to wait for that <laughs> oh no oh no it gets sadder I want to ask you guys uh, a little bit about like crafting OC characters and all of that. But before we get into that, Luna, was there anything else that you wanted us to know about your OCs before we kind of start talking about like the crafting of OC characters and stuff? So I just wanted to clarify, anyone who has seen my blog has probably seen that there's like a lot of like Ari and Diego stuff going on. And I will preface this by saying that Ari is not my OC. He belongs to another artist. Her name is Alice or Delicious on Tumblr or It's Delicious on Instagram. And yeah, this kind of just came about because Alice Alice did art of Diego and Lily. And in the process of her like doing the art, we were just like chatting. And yeah, this just kind of like sparked us to like pair her OC with, with Diego. And yeah, one thing led to another. <laughs> and there's just like a whole... A whole Orion Di Diego cult right now, I guess. <laughs> Y'all are matchmakers over there. 
<laughs> yeah, we are like the the moms outside a cafe, just sipping and clinking our cups together. Like, oh, let's do this, <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I saw some of the art for Ari and Diego, and I just thought it was so beautiful. You know, like they seem like they have really complementary personalities, and I really enjoyed reading about them. So, yeah, it's really funny because we didn't. I don't know if you're into like zodiacs, but like their zodiac pairing goes together, which was unintentional. Oh well, now you have to tell us what their zodiacs are. Okay, so well, first of all, <laughs> also the other thing is that they are. I know you said they're complementary, but they are like opposites attract kind of. And there's, yeah, I, I think I want to say that I sent you probably like a ridiculous amount of tropes about them. I, I'm sure I sent tropes to you about them, but like their color combination is red and green, which are also opposites on the color spectrum. I just, I don't know. I thought that was super, super interesting. They also are like hot and cold kind of like Ari is more, he's a little more sassy and Diego is more like sunny, if that makes sense. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I really, I, I love that pairing itself, but yeah. They are Capricorn and Cancer. <gasps> That's my favorite combination of all time. I'm a Capricorn. So, oh, okay. like, yeah. So, okay. So, who's the Capricorn? So, Diego is a January baby and Ari <gasps> is a July baby. Oh, my God. Okay. That just makes me fall in love with them even more now because, like, obviously I'm a Capricorn. So, like, you know, all of my fellow Capricorns, I, oh, so Diego's like my homeboy now. I have always, as a Capricorn, been so enamored with Cancers, you know? Oh, interesting. I just love them. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, the earth energy and the water energy yep. just goes yep. really well together. I mean, obviously, there are differences that you have to work through, but I feel like those two energies just, when they get it all figured out, it's just this beautiful thing. So I love that. I love that from a Zodiac yeah, perspective. Yeah, it is a power couple Zodiac sign. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And like I said, I saw so much like really amazing art to go along with those two. So I just think that's so cute that you guys matched, maked them together. That's not even a word, but um, <laughs> you guys matched them together. And now they kind of have their own, like, you know, stories together. They just think that's so freaking beautiful. I want to ask all of you now about, like, the crafting of OC characters. I'm not a writer myself, but, uh, you know, obviously I talk to a lot of writers, right? And I consistently hear from, from a lot of writers that some of them are interested in possibly creating OC characters, but they've never done it before, right? And it just feels different and daunting to them. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could all talk to us a little bit about your process for crafting OC characters? Like, what inspires these characters? How are they evolving? Are there specific patterns that you're using to, like, craft them? Just everything that you can tell us about the process of making these characters would be great for those out there who are curious about how folks create these OC characters. Okay, so <laughs> how I make OCs... This is a very nice question, actually, to those who are who 
who are interested in making OCs, there's no limit to your imagination. That's the first thing that I wanted to clarify. There's no limit to your imagination. It could be as simple as you want to spitball stuff. You want a crackhead OC, go for it. If you want an OC that emotionally connects to a canon character, find a character trait that would immediately connect them to each other. Let's say Bruno. Bruno is a very, very closed-off character, superstitious, sometimes anxious in his mannerisms. So what kind of character would he attract? One of the greatest OCs that I can make an example of this in regards to character dynamics would be Cliché Joe's Remedios. From their story, Candlelight, Remedios is explorer extraordinaire. Naive in her approach, but she's definitely very smart. But she sometimes falls into a ditch. And she she's airheaded, but at the same time, she's very smart. So how does she connect to Bruno in that sense that Bruno is the exact opposite of Remedios? They connect to each other in a way that... They complement each other. Remedios is the bubbly character, so she pulls out Bruno from his shell. Same with Evelina and Bruno's dynamic. Evelina is hot wife he TM joke. <laughs> Evelina is someone outgoing, someone who is a bit strict, but when it comes to family, she's very, very open. She's very, very family-oriented. So when she approaches Bruno, she approaches him with understanding. She um, approaches him gently. Sometimes she needs to have a firm hand with Bruno so that he could snap out of his sometimes spiraling into a overthinking mess. So if you want someone to connect to a character, think of a characteristic that would actually bind them together, that would pull each other into this one intertwining thread of interactions that would bring out the best in each other. So that's a tip for OC making, I guess. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. Who else can tell us about their process for crafting these OC characters? I guess I could help with how you you can design them. Well, I'm not really a writer, but like a lot of people start creating OCs by just figuring out what they look like and design elements too. So coming off of what Nelly said of what traits that binds the characters to the canon, it's important to consider there's actually this um, spectrum I use of like one is typical to the canon and one is very off canon now. So depending on how you want to phrase your story, it helps to determine where you would place your character designs on the placement in that spectrum. So what me and Nelly and Luna do is that it's pretty close to the canon, but I've seen some other people that take really wild and unique takes for their OCs being introduced into the world of Encanto. So like, it's really, there's no limit. It's just, you have to figure out how you can flesh your character out relative to the story and also sometimes what makes them unique and like what sets them apart. So by figuring out the balance of those traits you use, you actually get like a really well-rounded character. An example would be like how I use the triplet kids. 
it complies with the canon, but in the sense their desires and their arcs has to involve going outside of the home, which isn't explored much in the canon story. So by understanding the differences of, or, or like the um, how far you want to go with your ideas, it really helps to figure out how you want to place your character so that not only you would end up with a design, you'd also have like a fully fleshed character to be working with. Kind of going off of what Nick said, you can go many ways with this, but when you're creating kind of an OC character, I think the the main focus should be like, should you flesh them out in advance or are you going to like let them grow? If you're writing a story, obviously they're going to grow and if readers interact with you, you're going to kind of change their change their course or add little traits to their personality. But overall, I see like a lot of people, mostly when they're creating an OC, they kind of know what they're going to look like. They have like, you know, their tone in their in your head, how you're going to write them, how they interact and in the beginning, I feel like you're creating your first OC to like fill a need in a way. And the other OCs that you're creating are more complementary to, to the main OC. At least that is, that is how it is when I'm creating them. Because you don't really want like, you know, a whole horde of OCs that are all ditzy bimbos. <laughs> or hotheads. Maybe you do. Maybe you want a whole horde of hotheads that are just fighting each other all the time. <laughs> but it's more interesting, I think, when you create characters that both complement each other but are total opposites. Again, I love that trope, but <laughs> that's kind of like the direction that I, I like to go with. Oh, those are all such really interesting points about the creation of OCs, especially for people who have never done that before. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to say about crafting OCs? A lot of our crafting currently at least within like the the summer AU is like going off of like people's uh, asks or people's comments. So I would say <laughs> the summer AU has like done its own thing. And a lot of like the things that are happening in that are totally just from the outside people giving input. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. So you're having, it's almost a collaboration with the community. As the community comments and puts asks and stuff like that, it sort of helps evolve the story along. That's so interesting. Sometimes the characters just really make themselves when other people are involved. So that's pretty much how the summer AU came about when like people gathered so many headcanons and ideas from like OCs interacting with other OCs in particular that like spawned its own that's like it pretty much spawns its own plot and character dynamics that it really becomes like a fun project for everyone. <laughs> yes. I was going to ask you guys next about that because uh, I do understand that your characters have all collided in this very cool like summer AU collaboration. So I was hoping that you guys could talk about that a little bit more. Like whose idea was this? <laughs> who's writing it? Like how are you guys collaborating on this? This is so interesting. <laughs> I don't know who who's who are we pointing the oh finger at right now. <laughs> I remember where it started. It all started when Nick drew that one um AU just just a simple what if the 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 madrigals went to a resort and had like the this get up it's just one fan art of them and it just snowballed from there i am guilty 
<laughs> yeah, it's Nick. <laughs> I am very guilty. So, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> funny story. I just drew my Bruno family, like Evelina, Bruno, and the triplets, like with, you know, beach Coachella-esque aesthetic modern clothing. And I just got like, oh, so people do Encanto modern AUs now. So I could just do my own twist in it and like do something that, an aesthetic that I really like, which is like vacation and like beach stuff. So the caption was originally about me wishing I could go on vacation. And then, like, people really responded to that fan art so well that this version of a modern AU where everyone goes on a vacation. But in my blog specifically, the plot goes the Madrigals are really rich, so they own this, like, resort where they manage together. And Evelina and Bruno are like head management, and all the kids and their friends get to, like, work in the resort but also at the same time goof around so like imagine this kind of uh, sitcom idea like the office or like community but it's beach related and there's a lot of shenanigans happening and then when Luna's characters interacted with mine for the first time we just started like bouncing off ideas of this modern AU where they all go on a vacation together (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Now, just to clarify, the Summer AU collaboration, does it include all of the characters that we've been talking about so far? All of the OCs that we've covered? It's just Diego and Ari going on a summer vacation with the triplets. (laughs) Just the teens, the the teens. So like a teen summer adventure AU story at the resort. That is so much fun. How fun is that? And I'm sure they get into a lot of trouble. I think it's their personalities that like work so well as like a group because it's like a group of friends, but everyone's personality is like sort of different. And so they like tease each other and there's like, you know, annoying, annoying sibling stuff. It's just so funny. <laughs> Who's doing like the main writing parts of the Summer AU collection? We're just doing like drabbles and it's mostly like if there's a prompt that I see that I really like, I'll do a drabble. There is like prophetic hijinks from tumblr also has an oc called elena and that is also paired with bruno i guess you could kind of say like this is sort of like a hilarious bruno bruno multiverse yeah (laughs) so i did like at one point i don't even remember how it came up but like prophetic hijinks uh, we, I don't know. We were just talking at some point, probably, and I threw in a drabble where Elena and Bruno worked at like a pizza place and they were like a skater style and the kids stopped there on the way to the resort. And yeah, eventually Cliche's Joe, uh, Cliche Joe's OC was also added. It was just like super random. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. You know, as you're talking about it, I'm having this like vision in my mind, you know, (laughs) and it almost feels like the story kind of evolves on its own in a way, you know, as you go on with it and stuff. And I do imagine, too, that input from the other community members probably plays a factor (laughs) in here as well. You know, I'm sure that you guys have had a lot of reactions to the Summer AU. Has it been like fun and positive with the other community members if they've been enjoying that? It actually um, started pretty late into the fandom, the Summer AU. And I think, in my opinion, the OC community is at that point where we're forming stories beyond the canon. So 
with this like AU that we've collaborated, we just thought it was like a really good idea if we include OCs from other creators as well to be a part of this because like what's really beautiful about the OC community is that like people can interact with these stories like these characters that we've created we can like play dolls with them technically like it's different from when you put an OC character and a canon character together they you know they won't be able to meet inevitably but when you put two OCs together they can actually work off and make stories of their own and it's like our own version of canon now (laughs) I love that now okay here's a question that just popped up in my brain about this because I do know that for a lot of people these OC characters do incorporate parts of themselves right as the creator so like does this feel sometimes kind of like an RPF project in a way oh you know I used the wrong word. I'm sorry. Does it feel kind of like an RPG project in a way, right? Like a role-playing exercise for the community with everybody kind of getting involved with their OC characters and things like that? Oh, for me, I never really saw my own OCs as projections of myself, but like only to a certain degree, but never as myself. I always see them as like actors that I could put into different fandoms and stories. So like, there's like so much variations of them but in line with your question so far it's not me role-playing or like role-playing these characters usually what i do i just make comics off of the dravels or like the headcanons luna and nelly gives me and like that art could spawn like other stories and ideas too so like my drawings really just like are reactionary or like you know just to visualize what they came up with. So my next question about the Summer AU collaboration is, I understand that you may have incorporated some OC characters from some other members of the OC community. So I was hoping you could talk just a little bit briefly about that and then tell me what your favorite part about doing the Summer AU collaboration is. So I follow Prophetic Hijinks on Tumblr, and she does comics with her OC and Bruno, but she also does a lot of like AUs with her character. So I had, I don't know, we we were chatting one day because I saw that she was doing all these AUs and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Have you done like a skater Um, Her OC is called Elena. So I was like, have you done a skater, Elena? And she was like, no. And... (laughs) I was like, is it okay if I like insert Elena into this for a moment because she would be perfect to like be like a burnout that works at a pizza shop? Um, (laughs) Yes, I love that. So she was like, go for it. And yeah, and she did make a piece of art of Elena. If if you've seen Stranger Things, it has kind of like a Stranger Things vibe. Oh, I love Stranger Things. That is amazing. Yeah, (laughs) it's really cute. And Cliche Joe, I know Nellie talked about it before, but uh, Cliche Joe has a OC that uh, I also inserted <laughs> into some Drabble. Like how Nellie explained, she's a adventure type. So I made her kind of like a, a guide. Like she's like a little, uh, she, she like introduces the kids to the resort as they approach. And then she's like selling them kind of like her own personal adventure. It's kind of like sketchy. She's, she's like selling them her adventure tour. (laughs) 
I love that. It just seems like you guys have created this really fun, like, summer world for these characters to interact. And it sounds like they're having so much fun during their summer adventures. I won't call it a summer break exactly, because it, it sounds like they're working, right, at the resort. That's what me and Nelly originally thought, that these kids who are just, like, teen influencers or... <laughs> Like TikTok celebrities who just so happen to like also work in a resort in which their parents own. At least that's what me and Nelly came up with. I really like the idea that they get to travel along with their friends, even if these are OCs from like different creators. It's really a collaborative AU that becomes sort of like a sandbox that anything goes. Yes, anything goes. And it's just this like really fun thing that like you know, the whole community can get involved with a little bit. And I just think that that's so cool because your community will always be able to look back on this and be like, hey, remember that time we did that cool summer AU collaboration? <laughs> and I just think Aww. that that's so cool to have those memories with your community like that, you know? Nelly, was there anything that you wanted to add about the uh, the summer AU collab? As soon as we all, when you talked about, uh, Luna talked about, Remedios and Nick talking about the TikTok AOs. I was, I I went into a. I was lis. My one ear was listening while I'm thinking of another prompt. <laughs> oh no! Write it down. Write it down so you don't lose it. <laughs> I wrote it down. Like <laughs> they go into an adventure. They got lost. Fall into a ditch somewhere. We don't know. But it's it's all fun. Dun, dun, dun. Will they ever get out of the ditch? And then Javier, our our only guy with any sense, and Diego, the one guy with sense but is empathetic, would berate them <laughs> for their life choices. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think this is just so, so cool. It seems like the Summer AU collaboration is happening more on Tumblr, right? I don't think I saw it posted to AO3. Maybe I'm wrong. Is it just like a, a fan fiction collaboration that's being posted on Tumblr at this point? For now, it is. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That is so, so, so cool. Well, the next thing that I kind of wanted to go into was the fan art portion of this discussion, because I understand that Nick and Nelly, you guys do art. Luna, do you do art too? Or is it just Nick and Nelly? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no art for Luna. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, no art for me too. I am terrible at art. I think it's so cool when people can do that. I do want to talk about like the intersection of fan art and fandom and fan fiction, especially where it applies to the OC stuff. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking... You know, for OC purposes, of course, art would be so, so important because with the canon characters from Encanto, we all know what the canon characters look like because we've all seen the movie, right? So we have that common understanding of what the canon characters look like. But with OC characters, these are absolutely original. And so when people are reading OC characters, I suppose they either have to, you know, go off of the descriptions and then kind of come up with their own imagination of what they think it should look like. But then you have the fan art coming in for these OC characters. And that would be so, so important for people getting to know these OC characters to have an idea of what these characters even look like. So in that way, at least. 
I can see how fan art would be so crucial for the development of these characters in these stories. I wanted to ask, when it comes to creating fan art for these stories and these characters, like, Nick and Nolly, what inspires you the most? Like, what are the things that inspire you when you're coming up with ideas on on what to draw and what to create when it comes to the fan art? For me, I actually got into making fan art for fan fiction quite recently. It really started out when, when you read a story, you have an image of what it looks like in your head. And for me, I have very vivid imaginations of how I perceive like stories and sometimes when I really like a scene sometimes I would just produce an image of what this would look like cinematically and sometimes I would (laughs) I would actually if it gets so strong I would actually be inspired enough to make art for it either mostly like fake screenshots sometimes that's how it would usually begin and then sometimes when when I make those artworks, I would sometimes show them to the authors, and they would love it. So, like, I, I've been planning so much to create fan art for the stuff I started liking to read, because that's how I show appreciation to the authors. And, like, when they, whenever they create their artworks, uh, whenever they create their writings, because I just realized how it's an inside joke in Tumblr, how a fanfic author would, like, throw roses at your feet if you make fan art for their works because like you're basically illustrating for them and then what we would usually do is that we would collaborate off of these ideas and for Nelly's fan fictions I know we would uh we already have like face claims but we also are welcome when people have their own interpretations of what these characters would look like and we have yet to see more of them come up actually so what we have right now in the blog are just like snippets and tidbits of scenes that are in between the lines of the fanfic Nelly posted and sometimes also the stuff that Luna produced and we just like go back and forth with these artworks and these prompts and these drawings too I remember like I would post an artwork and like Nelly would produce an entire whole drabble or like prompt out of it and it was just like the opposite happened so like oh my gosh you just brought life into this drawing I made and like you've put everything into words and then Luna also did the same thing when she borrowed Javier's character so that she would make a short story about him and Diego together too Oh my god, that is so amazing because like, I had always understood that a lot of fan artists, they get inspired by something that the author writes, you know, and then they, you know, make art off of that. But that's amazing that it can go the other way too, that you can have, you know, your art and then the writer, the author is like, oh my gosh, that inspires me so much. And then they create something totally new, like a new whole drabble or scene based off of what you created. And it can just kind of go back and forth like that. That is so amazing. It's just like two people crying over like this one thing they keep giving back to each other. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, oh my gosh. This is incredible. How are you able to make this out of this one thing I did? And it's like the feeling is magical when it's also done the other way around. 
Yes, I keep picturing like um like a ping pong game or something, you know, where you guys just keep passing the ball back and forth. And it's this beautiful collaborative process where, you know, you're you're inspiring each other. And I imagine that this back and forth also assists with the evolution of these characters, because like, tell me if I'm wrong, but do you feel like you are constantly discovering new things? about these characters because of the back and forth between the writing and the art? Oh, <laughs> oh yes. All the time. <laughs> All the time. At, at one point, Nick and I actually, like, because of the back and forth ping pong game of giving back to the art with literature and vice versa, because of that like ping pong game, we made out, like, unique characteristics of, of each of these OCs. Like, one one of the recent things would be their, let's say, sexual orientations. And, like, we would headcanon all of these things until they turn canon, you know? Because yes. we just we just ping-pong ideas to each other. We're giving off prompts, finishing each other's sentences until we get we get to the point it just makes sense. So, boom, you, you get a canon effect on that character that's amazing i love how like you know basically this whole oc world that you guys are creating it is being created as you're creating you know i don't have a better word for that but it's like happening in real time and that just blows me away like i love that it's almost like the process is alive and the best part is that the audience can interact. When they have headcanons, they're free to slide in into our asks and drop the headcanon. And we don't know that headcanon might become canon at some point. <laughs> because that just sparks like a debate between the... Uh, not debate, but a discourse between each of the creators. And then you get this whole information and you just... Just make sense. Let's make this canon now. But I think like... Like, the biggest compliment is if someone understands their personalities. Like, whenever I see either Nelly or Nick mention Diego and they understand, like, exactly who that person is, you're like, oh, yeah, they get him. <laughs> yes. Yes. But the same thing with Javi. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, because, you know, I-, I imagine that after a while of, you know, being so enmeshed in each other's OC characters, you just feel like you know them so, so well. And that must feel gratifying, I imagine, when other people outside of the creator of that OC can drop little, you know, comments and things like that, where it just like tells you like, oh, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Like you get this character and that is, that must feel so amazing as the creator. They're like, how did you know? Yes, that is so, so amazing. I love to hear all of this stuff because like, I've always thought that the collaboration aspect of fandom and fan fiction and fan art is just so special. And to know that it's being done in such a unique way here with the OC fandom, that's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I love that it's also interactive with the rest of the community, that the community can drop in their ideas and their thoughts and they can squeal and get excited with you guys. I'm sure that every time a new art drops or a new Drabble drops, like everybody just gets so excited. Gets tunes in. It gets intense. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Now, Nick, you're using mostly digital art, right? For the pieces that you create? Yes. 
Perfect. And then Nellie, what mediums are you using for your art? Uh, same with Nick. I use digital art, Procreate uh, specifically on iPad. Oh, that's awesome. That is so, so awesome. Yeah, it's been so much fun. One of the things that I did, of course, you know, in my research was I combed through everybody's art pieces on their Tumblr pages. I made a night of it. I uh, poured myself a glass of wine and I spent like hours just pouring through all of these beautiful pieces of art. And it's so interesting because like, you know, as an outsider, not part of the community, like I wasn't there, right? When all of these ideas are being created or when the prompts were dropped or whatever. So sometimes like I'd sit there and I'd be like, huh, this is such a great piece of art. I wonder what prompted this or what inspired this. And it's just so much fun to kind of like sit there and try to piece it together as someone who wasn't there when it all happened. So it's like an Easter egg hunt. Yes, it was like an Easter egg hunt for me to be like, oh, I, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, this travel or this piece of art? Like, it was just so interesting to see the interplay here. And I just, I loved that. Nick and Nelly, like if you had to say, you know, anything more about the interplay between fan art and fan fiction and fandom, what would you say? For me, I know a lot of people would like generally have, would feel nervous or like ask permission first, well, as they should, but like they have this anxiety saying, oh, what if they don't like it? Or like, what if I create fan art and nobody would appreciate it or like no that's not the case they would love to see what you could share to them and it's like one thing to make like knowing nelly and luna one thing to make them go haywire make fan art for their works and then watch them <laughs> wobble watch them keyboard smash and melt <laughs> watch them melt and then <laughs> the rest follows after so like I really wish that people would make so much fan art for the fan fictions they love because, like, this is an, a token of love, you know? Yes, a token of love. Accept my love. And the author would go ballistic. And <laughs> it's proven to be true. But I think Luna made a post about this a few months ago about how, like, I'm, I'm not sure if it was Luna, but it basically said that fandoms if you if you have the chance to interact but you're too shy by all means interact because that's what feeds the authors the creators to actually create more because just a little bit of saying oh your art is amazing i like this and maybe you drop down a head cannon they'd go ballistic they'd go monkey brain over it and i can assure you as a creator myself they would go monkey brain over it yeah, that's like something that everyone everyone in like the OC community that has like all these deep lores about their characters and if you like comb through sometimes and you see people saying like, "Oh, I don't want to share cuz like maybe it's annoying." But like who cares? Why 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 care? I mean, if somebody's not interested in your OC lore, they're just going to skip over it. There's there's really no reason to be afraid. And I feel like the OC community is so welcoming that no one's gonna say like please be quiet <laughs> never that's not gonna happen oh see and nelly just put something in the the chat for this room that i want to read out loud because i think that everybody in fandom needs to hear this so nelly typed out cringe is dead 
bring back all the creativity. And I wanted to read that out because like Nelly, that is like so true. A hundred percent, you know, like cringe is dead or it should be cringe is dead. So bring back all the creativity. And I love that you all have this beautiful community that is welcoming, like you said, and just willing to listen to everybody's ideas. And nobody should feel like shy, or, you know, ashamed or anything of just like dropping their own headcanons, dropping their own OC characters or their fan art in whatever way they want to participate. Even if participation is just you dropping a quick note to an author or a fan artist that you really like their work you know even that is participating in fandom in some way and it's beautiful and so like yeah we just want to remind the community that (laughs) cringe is dead you are all beautiful souls that can contribute to your communities in lots of different kinds of ways and they're all meaningful and wonderful so if you had to choose like which of your fan art pieces is your absolute favorite? Which one would you choose and why? Oh god, this question. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Hurts everyone's feelings in a second. <laughs> oh god, no. <sighs> uh. <laughs> Who goes first? <laughs> I nominate Nelly to go first. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But Okay, I'll go first. But it uh ooh. I've been thinking about this for the whole week. I I don't uh gosh. <laughs> mm, but let's see. If I have to pick, I hate to pick, but if I have to pick then my favorite piece of fan art would be the comic that Nick made where it's basically like read between the lines of it's not yet published yet but it's a read between the lines it's kind of like a spoiler ish for love me for eternity but it base it's basically after the angstiest part of the book it's like the aftermath and then we see the tension between Javier and Ignacio and and it breaks my heart and I love it because it's angsty and I'm an angst writer. So, so it, it really speaks to you then with that angst. <laughs> yes, angst. And we, we really in this, I love this. Nelly, I don't believe I posted this before. Oh, you posted it. I have it open right now. Oh, yeah, you posted it. I swear. It's when Javier cut his hair and we, oh. there's no context. There's no context yet. There's no context on why he wanted to cut his hair, but. Yeah, basically he cut his hair in this comic and it, it everything's just sad. What's actually intriguing about it is that if I can recall what Nelly was implying there, it was a part of Angst that wasn't even published in the main story, but it's actually one of the artworks that easily blew up in Tumblr. Oh, it did. <laughs> oh, yeah. it did. It's one of the pieces that blew up a time with no context. So that uh, it was actually kind of intriguing to see the activity um, saying like, oh, did everyone really like this prompt or did everyone knew what was coming? So we were kind of worried if the audience knew what was going to happen. But thankfully, no one has sent anything remotely spoilerish like. I think everyone already knows why Javier cuts his hair because you may oh you also made a post about it because you know 
He's a carbon copy of Bruno. He he doesn't want to project. Oh. Oh, gosh. The poor child. Well, it hasn't been published in a chapter yet, so... Oh, no. Oh, no. That's your job, Nelly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Here, here's a fun fact, actually. Like, just railroad a bit, but... Oh, gosh. Every time I write an angst chapter, I'm not heartless, I swear. I... I I cry on v- in voice chat to Nick every time I write a chapter for emotional support. Oh gosh, I send her clips of me crying, I swear. Well, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes into writing these things. So I would imagine that, yeah, sometimes you kind of have like a an emotional support buddy, right? To help you kind of get through. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick is... Nick is either crying with me or laughing with me i'm not sure but <laughs> thank you for oh, being nelly. being with me there nick nelly i drew those scenarios to enable the angst oh no <laughs> <laughs> who else wants to talk about which one of the the fan arts is their favorite they all muted <laughs> i feel like mine is so obvious i don't i don't know <laughs> If nobody knows that I'm going to say this by now, then I feel ashamed. <laughs> but like Alice's work is canon art to me. And it's like anything else is like fan art of the fan art. <laughs> so I will 100% say that like her, because I didn't know that she was going to draw uh, Diego and Ari kissing. So that surprised me. In like the best way possible and i have like such a touching moment i still have it as my like desktop background <laughs> i think i know which one you're talking about i do recall encountering that i think on your tumblr page at one point and it's beautiful yeah especially because it was a surprise that made me just oh too much oh oh did you scream when you saw it for the first time oh i died i died <laughs> <laughs> I, like row her i i sent her a little like clip of me on my balcony just screaming out into the world <laughs> oh i love it i love it though but see that's one of the beautiful things that fan art can do for fandom communities you know like obviously we all love fan fiction we love reading fan fiction and stuff but sometimes the art just takes it to this whole new level and we just have like feelings that come up just looking at a piece of fan art to go along with the story or a scene or something from a story. And I know that that's happened to me so many times where like the feeling and the experience is just elevated because of that fan art. So <laughs> it's definitely very important to so many of us for sure. For me, I had to pick. Oh my gosh. I had so much, I had trouble picking, but like if I had to drop, I've been following these creators for so long. I really, really love Lethal Amigos. There's this group of OCs who like basically made an entirely original story, like stories actually, and like hands down one of the best comics and high tension stories I've ever seen in an Encanto OC community that I just take so much inspiration for how they express their characters and their stories and I really I really like them so much they're really cool all their comics are just like chef's kiss to me comics are so much fun you know because it's kind of combining the whole like fan fiction thing 
with the fan art thing. And so you get this like whole comic, the art and the story together. That sounds really cool. That's awesome. All right, guys. So last question of the day. Because we've been talking so much about community and, you know, collaboration and things like that. So I always end each show by asking my guests if they have any other fan fiction writers or fan artists that they want to shout out on the show before we close out. So do any of you have any other creators that you'd like to shout out? I have like a massive list and I'm like, "Mm, oh, my God. I know. I'm like, no, nah, I should. Can I only pick one? Oh my gosh. Like Nick said from Lethal Amigos, like Lethal Amigos is like a big, there's like a collaborative thing happening there as well. But one of the writers, her name is Erin, but she goes by Rini Sega on AO3. Her fic is called The Principe and her OC is called Gustavo. So her writing is amazing. Her writing is just chef's kiss top tier. But they also have a lot of like artwork. There's a lot of people. It's very collaborative. So there's a lot of fan art of Gus or Gustavo and all of the writers that contribute. There's a lot of writers that contribute to that world. And there's a ton of AUs. But Rini Sega has an amazing story on AO3 called The Principe. Oh, perfect. That sounds amazing. What about you, Nick? Do you have anyone you would like to shout out on the show? There's this creator, their name is Glendy Bluebird, and like their OCs are like so cool and they've created so much content and comics already in both, uh, posting them in both Tumblr and Instagram, I believe. And they're, I believe they're also active in AO3 and in Wattpad as well, but their OC name is also called Luna Guerrera. And I believe this OC is being paired off with Camilo too. They have their own list of like AUs and prompts and fan art that they always share and they always hit so well and they're just incredible really. So <laughs> this is like an entire, I think, I think there's like this entire world of like OCs related to like the specific character in Encanto. That's just like its own universe for real. Oh, I love to hear that. What about you, Nelly? Do you have someone you'd like to shout out? Oh my gosh. They're not really a... Oh, they have an OC. They have an OC, but like me, they set the uh, Bruno's pairing as an ex-reader for more inclusive purposes. But they have this amazing book, Weavik. Uh, Weavik from AO3 and Tumblr. They have amazing works. Am I allowed to say NSFW stuff? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, so the smut is top tier. <laughs> nice. 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 And and it's set it's set in the middle of Encanto, Weavik's work work. And and it's basically the reader has a child also named Mateo. And the family doesn't know that there's a hidden child all along. And she just writes it so well that just weaves together so nice. I just can't have the words to say because Weavik's work is just so amazing. All of those shout outs sound amazing. We'll make sure that we put, you know, links to those folks up on the show notes so people can go and check those out here. 
And obviously, we'll have links to all of the stuff that you guys have shared today so that people can check out your your Tumblr blogs and your art and your writing and all of that. Because this has just been so much fun today, uh, discussing OC characters and discussing the crafting of OC characters and, and really the community collaboration aspect of what you all are doing. I just think that it is amazing. And I've had so much fun today. Do you guys have any last words for us before we close out the show today? Draw. Just show your creativity. Do whatever. Show your author some love. Yes, please. My last words, only three. Cringe is dead. I love it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Luna, what about you? <laughs> do whatever makes you happy. Create that cringy OC. Just do it. Do it. I will say that if if you feel like you don't like I, I think the OC community is one of those places where if you feel like you don't belong that you can still find someone that shares your viewpoints and to just go for it because really I'm not like the best person when it comes to like speaking in large groups so if I'm like in a large group I tend to like go under and it's always really nice to see individual people reach out to me and ask me questions or uh, just engage. So I will say just like be brave, be bold. Cringe is dead. She's right. <laughs> ah, I love it. Those are the best last words that I've ever heard. Cringe is dead, guys. <laughs> and with that, we will end the show for today. Luna, Nelly, and Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show today and joining us and sharing your perspectives with us. This has been so, so much fun. Check out their stories and their art on AO3 and Tumblr and give them some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick. And I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Mm-hmm.